How you guys doing this morning? Dang, okay, second service. I hear you guys are awake. All right, um, so Kate and I, we've been, we've been gone for the last two weeks. We uh, were doing some traveling for Thanksgiving. We went to her parents' place in Chicago um, and then stayed there for a few days. And then last weekend, we actually drove to Colorado. It's my grandma's 90th birthday. You only turned 91, so we probably, we should probably hit that up, you know. And, um, and so we drove to Colorado. We drove back. We got back on Tuesday this week. But uh, I'm glad to be home, and I'm glad to be out of the car, okay, because uh, that can be rough at times with three little kids. But, uh, but we did it. We survived. Everything's good. And uh, again, we're excited to be home. Uh, today, we're going to start a brand new series called Wreck the Halls, all right? We're sticking with the whole 2020, everything's wrecked theme uh, this year. But uh, isn't it crazy? Christmas is almost here. Like, it's next week. You realize that? All right? Do you, do you realize that? It's next week, okay? We had a big debate in first service because people were like, it's not next week. I'm like, oh, yeah, look at the calendar. You know, it's next week. Um, and, uh, and so I just want to prove to everybody that I was right on that if anybody were here from first uh, because the calendar starts with Sunday and not Monday. There's a, it was awkward. Now it's awkward in here. So whatever. All right. But, uh, but yeah, uh, Christmas is next week. So if you've got any shopping you got to do, Probably the time to get that stuff done. You only got you only got a you know a week and a little over a week and a half to, to get that set. And next week, next Sunday, is the start of our Christmas services. This year we're having five. Part of it's due to COVID. We want to spread everybody out a little bit more. And Christmas is always, um, at least here in our area, is the biggest service that biggest services that we have. Uh, throughout the year. And so next week, uh, we start our Christmas services uh, on Sunday. It's the same normal times. And then we got one on Wednesday night and then one on, two on Christmas Eve. And, um, and what we have found here at Grace, at least within our area, is that for some reason, I don't know why this is, doesn't necessarily make sense to me. seems like people are busier. You'd have a lot more, you know, we all have a, a lot more going on this time of year. But for some reason, Christmas is the best year to invite people to church. It just is. Um, we, it's, again, it's, it was our biggest service last year. It's just, it, we've noticed that for years now. And so we want to encourage you to don't let it go to waste. All right, invite, 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 invite your family and friends uh, to church, uh, to one of our five services this year. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, we as the church and as Christians, we shouldn't let that necessarily go to waste. And I think the reason why... Um, People are more prone to go to church during this uh, season, or at least during the Christmas season, is this. I think people generally, all right, in general, I think generally people like to feel and like to be viewed by others as somewhat religious, all right? I don't think, you know, not like crazy Jesus, you know, not like, not like hardcore religious people, but we like to be, I think people in general like to be, you know, somewhat or at least be viewed as somewhat religious. And so this is what people do. This is what the majority of people within our nation and the majority of people within our communities, they all do kind of the same thing. They dabble in religion, all right? They believe in a God. All right, they live a generally good life. Okay, everybody wants to be good. Everybody wants to, to do the right thing. They follow the rules. They go to church a few times a year. Uh, and and they, think they're, they think they're good. All right? In their life, I think a lot of people they view, they're like, okay, religion, I got that, mark, I got that box checked. 
all right, in my life. I, I'm, I'm set. All right, there's people like this all over the place. There's people like this all over our lives. There's people like this all over this room here this morning. And what we are doing when we do that is we are just playing religion. See, that's what religion is. All right, religion is a bunch of do's and don'ts of how you get to heaven. Religion is a bunch of rules, a set of rules of, hey, you do all this stuff, you do this, you do that, you do all this good stuff, and that's how you get to heaven. And it's kind of ironic, as, as you think about it, that the time of year where people play religion all right, the most happens to be Christmas, which is centered around uh, celebrating this, this little baby that was born, uh, Jesus, who, who grew up. And, and the reason why he came was really to wreck religion. See, religion is a big part of our culture today, all right? And uh, whether we go to church or go to, you know, whatever religion it might be, or we just make it all up in our minds or have this set rules of good stuff in our minds, right? It's a big part of our culture today, and it was a big part of the Jewish culture 2,000 years ago that Jesus uh, was born into. See, back then, religion was everything, okay? Following the rules was everything. God had told the Jewish people throughout the Old Testament that someday he was going to be sending them a savior. He's going to, sending, he's going to be sending them a Messiah, and, uh, and this Jewish word for savior, uh, that was going to come and save them. All right, we see this all the way back in the Garden of Eden. He mentions that when sin entered the world. We see this. It was then promised to Abraham, promised to Moses, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Habakkuk, Ezekiel, Daniel talks about it. You know, all these people, God is constantly telling the Jewish people, he's like, hey, I'm sending you a Savior. All right, he's going to come and he's going to save you and everything's going to be good again. He's going to bring justice. And Israel at the time that Jesus was born had been waiting for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for this Savior. See, we look back at the first Christmas going, oh, you know, they were looking forward to the first Christmas. And they were pumped that this baby was coming, baby that was going to be born in Bethlehem because this baby was going to become their king and was going to overthrow this oppressive foreign government of Rome that ruled over them at that time, that Israel was going to finally become top dog, that Israel, they were going to get their freedom back, and that they were going to finally get justice, something that they hadn't had for hundreds and hundreds of years. And then Jesus was born. Their king, the ultimate king that God had been promising them for, for you know, hundreds and hundreds of years, born in a barn surrounded by animals. It's not the way it was supposed to happen. Right, like royalty should be born in a palace, okay? And, and he was born to a couple of poor young parents. That doesn't, that doesn't sound right. That's not what they were expecting. And, and some shepherds came to worship this baby. That, that's, that's not right either, all right? Because shepherds back then, they were, they were considered to be the lowest in society. No one wanted to be around a shepherd. You didn't want to touch a shepherd. You didn't want to be in the presence of a shepherd, all right? That was like disgusting to their culture, Right? And so Jesus, he came into the world in the exact opposite way that anybody, all the religious people were expecting. And that's, honestly, that's the reason why so many people missed it. See, many Jewish people, right, back then, the Jewish people, they were so, so focused on their religion, on, on doing this set of rules, trying to impress God, that they missed the main gift that God had given them. They missed Jesus. And Jesus' main message while he was here on the earth for 33-ish years was, hey, it's not about, it's actually not about religion. 
Right, by the way, when I say that, it's not like Jesus is saying, like, which is so popular in our world today, that, hey, you could just believe whatever you want, whatever, you know, whatever religion that you want to believe or whatever belief, you know, it, that's all good for you, what's good for you, you know, what's true for you may not be true for me and all this, but it's all, it's all true, it all gets us to the same place. It's not what Jesus was ever saying, okay? That, he was saying, no, 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 the answer is not religion, period. Right? It's, it's, it's not any religion. He actually said this all the time. One time he's traveling through modern-day Israel. Actually, he's traveling through Israel, um, <clears throat> going to Jerusalem, and, and he was going there. He, he knew he was going to be put to death there, and he knew he was going to die. But he's on his, on his way, and as he's traveling, he's going from, like, little town to little town. He doesn't seem to be in any <clears throat> big hurry. And um, goes from little town to little town, teaching the people and, and really telling the people this message. And uh, when Jesus was out and about, I mean, crowds came. People wanted to know what he was going to say next. People wanted to see what he was going to do next. And this day that Jesus, what we're going to be looking at this morning, is no different. And so Jesus, he's in, picture it in some street or something, walking around, and and this Jewish crowd uh, comes up, and he actually tells them a parable that we're going to look at this morning. And a parable is just, uh, it's just a story with meaning, okay? It's just a story that Jesus used. Jesus used parables a lot, all right? These stories that, uh, that he would use to make a point and to teach. And in Luke chapter 18, verse 9, he starts this off. He says, he also told this parable to some who trusted them in themselves that they were righteous, okay? So this is, can, can you picture this for a second? All right, Jesus is out and about. He's outside, he's got all these, these people come up, and a lot of times people were, would, you know, come up and they would ask him questions, okay? People from the crowd, hey, Jesus, what about this? Hey, hey, what about this? And Jesus would answer them. Sometimes they were doing it just to trap them and trip, trip them up and stuff, which never happened. He always outsmarted them in that way, which makes sense because he's God. And, um, and, and this time, you got this crowd of people, and Jesus, he's looking around, he's talking to them, he's teaching them, he's looking around, and he realizes that all of these people, they are, you know, they, they are trusting in themselves that they were righteous. These people think they're pretty good, is, is, what, is what Jesus is saying. Right? They're good at being good. And so, and, and, and they know this. And so Jesus, it's just interesting that Jesus knows their hearts. Okay, this isn't a question that anybody's asking. This isn't someone that people, they're, they're talking about. Jesus, he knows their hearts, by the way, just like he knows our hearts. And he feels the need to address this issue in their life. See, these people are putting their faith in religion, in themselves, and how good they practice religion, instead of putting their faith in, in, in God. And so uh, he says... He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, they think that they're doing, you know, pretty good, and, uh, and then they look down on everyone else. Now, I think when we read that second part and they look down on everybody else, we're like, oh, that's the reason. That's not good. All right, I think that's our culture coming out in us, All right? That's, that's the society that we, that we grew up in, because we look at people who look down on others. We're like, well, you can't look down on anybody else. You can't think you're better. You can't, and, and, and in a sense, that's good, right? That, that, that's right. But that's not the issue that Jesus is correcting here. Right, he's correcting, the issue that he's correcting is that they trusted in themselves that they were righteous and the byproduct of thinking that way was looking down on everybody else. Does that make sense? Okay, all right. So 
he's addressing these Jewish people, and the, a lot of these people, maybe these, especially the religious leaders that were there, who are, and these people are all about religions. Actually, they're experts in religions. They're experts in rule following. In fact, and we've mentioned this before, but they, they, they created rules, right, so they wouldn't come close to breaking the rules. It'd be like uh, in modern time if they were, um, let's say the speed limit's 35 miles per hour, uh, they would actually uh, go, well, you definitely can't break that, that rule or that law. So they would make another rule saying, hey, um, the, you can't go over 30 miles per hour just, in, just so you don't come close to breaking the real rule, okay? And then these guys, they wouldn't even follow that rule. They would actually go and not, they wouldn't even drive over 20 miles per hour just so they don't come close to breaking their rule, which would come close to breaking the real rule. You get what I'm saying? Okay, these people are crazy. All right, these are OCD, these are, you know, some of you guys are rule followers, and, you know, maybe you're like, I, that's a great idea. You know, don't do that to yourself or whatever. Um, but uh, just thinking about it, last, last week as I'm driving all over the continent, um, I feel like I am, you know, you see, a, you see a speed limit sign, and if, I don't know if you're like me, this is just how I am, don't judge me, but it's not that big of a deal, but, you know, I look at a speed limit sign and I see 70 miles per hour, you know, in my mind, my mind automatically makes the adjustment to like, well, 76, 77, you know what I mean? And I'm probably good. If I want to keep it safe, I could go 74, 75, but definitely not under that, you know what I mean? Anybody, any of you guys like that? Okay, yeah, yeah, we're all horrible people, um, <laughs> these people. These people would look at that, and they would have like they would have like a heart attack. You know, they're like, "Why you can't you know you can't do that?" These people, let's just be honest with ourselves, real quick. These Jewish people that Jesus is talking to that have this issue are so much better than us. They are. They live so much better lives than we do. Meaning, they were so so good at being good. Okay, so we get that they're above us when it comes to doing good stuff. Uh, they would take things like the Ten Commandments. Okay, you guys know the Ten Commandments, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, there's only ten. All right, you should go look that up tonight. That's your homework. All right, Ten Commandments. They would take uh, things like the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are just a list of rules that God tells us, hey, you should live your life this way because it's good for you. All right, it's good for you. All right, so uh, they would take the rule, like the Ten Commandments, they would take, let's say, the number four commandment, which is keep the Sabbath holy, right, which is probably a commandment that a lot of people in here violate, which is basically God saying, hey, I want you to work six days a week, and I want you to rest one day a week, okay? And on that day that you rest, I want you to kind of focus on me, okay? Probably a lot of us struggle with that, but that's what God tells, God tells us to do. Anyway, so he's saying, you should take a day of rest. You shouldn't work. And so these Jewish people, they would take that, and they started thinking to themselves, wow, what could be considered as work, you know? Is this work? Is that work? We don't want to even come close to breaking God's rule that we shouldn't work on this one day. And so what they did is they actually came up with 39 rules that Jews had to follow to keep you from coming close to breaking the real rule. All right? this is, again, they were experts in this. Uh, they had rules like you cannot plow. And you're like, ah, okay, that makes sense. Like plowing, eh, it could be hard work and stuff like that. You can't do that. Well, if you cannot plow, then you cannot plant and you cannot harvest. All right, remember one time in Jesus' ministry, him and his disciples are walking through uh, like a wheat field and they start picking up, uh, you know, they pick up some of the grains of, of wheat and start eating it. You guys remember the, that story? Some people, you got that. And remember the Pharisees, they got all ticked off about it. Like, why, you can't do that. What are you doing? That's, that's work. You know, they're just picking it off and throwing it in their mouth. 
Right? These guys, again, they, had, they were super strict on all this stuff. If you can't do that, then you cannot cook. Okay, getting a little more picky there. And, and if you cannot cook, right, then, uh, then, you know, let's think about even more. You cannot tear anything. They had a rule you couldn't tear anything on the Sabbath because that could be work. And if you cannot tear anything, you cannot tie anything together. And if you cannot tie anything, you cannot cut anything because that could be considered work. Right? They had rules that you couldn't start a fire on the Sabbath. You couldn't, you couldn't put a fire out on the Sabbath. So if you had, like, you know, your house caught on fire or something because you couldn't, you know, you, you started it the day before, I guess. Your house caught on fire. You couldn't put it out. You just had to let it burn until, like, midnight. Then you throw water on it, I guess. You know, they had all these rules. You couldn't write a letter, you couldn't write letters of the alphabet. You couldn't write anything down, all right? Actually, they had, their specific rule was you could write one letter of the alphabet, but not two, because if you write two, you might be able to spell a word, and if you spell a word, then that could be considered work, right? These guys would count how many steps they would take on the Sabbath, because if you walked too far, if you took too many steps, then that could be considered work to God, maybe. And so these guys were crazy rule followers. They had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rules. They were expert rule followers, and these guys were experts on following religion. They were so good at being good. Now, compare that to today. We're not necessarily like like that, right? Like, we don't have all these rules written down. It's like, you know, but what we do have is we have a bunch of unwritten rules, Right? That we look at people when they don't follow the unwritten rule. You know, things like, and a lot of, you know, some of it's like serious stuff. But, but like, uh, like most people in here, I would assume, when you, you know, you're at the store, you have a cart, you dump the stuff into your car. What do you do with the cart? You take it back to the, at least the thing in the parking lot, right? A little fencing. I don't know what that's called. Corral or something. Cart thing. You know, you at least take it there, or you take it back to the store. Like, you don't just don't leave it sitting out, although maybe some of you guys do, because sometimes you see that. And usually they're blowing in the wind, hitting people's car. You know, it's an unwritten rule, right? You mow your lawn. Kind of an unwritten rule, right? Um, you, you're in a public restroom. You flush, all right? Or maybe some of you guys don't do that, all right? You know, you do that. Or when you're going to park in a parking lot, what do you do? You, just, you pull into the slot. You don't take up four spots, Right? These are all unwritten rules. See, we here, a lot of times we think we're pretty good people because we follow all these unwritten rules. Back then, it was very, very similar, except for their rules were all written down and, and very rigid. But we kind of, I want, just want us to understand that we're not that far off from these people, okay? We do kind of the same thing. And Jesus recognized this as an issue in these people's hearts. And so here's the story. Jesus says, all right, imagine this. He says, two men... They went up to the temple, okay, the temple back then was is the centerpiece of like worship in their society. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray. That's a good thing. He says, one's a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, tax collector, a lot of times when we hear that, you know, maybe you're thinking, you're like, ah, that's like an IRS agent, okay? You don't like them. You definitely don't want to talk to them, but they're just doing their job. Not a big deal. You know, it's, it, yeah, not like horrible, horrible people. That's not how it was back then. All right, we've talked about tax collectors uh, in the New Testament here. I mean, uh, they're like the scum of society. Like, these people are the worst of the worst. This is like Jim Harbaugh of the ancient world, okay? Or, or, uh, or let's just be honest, any Michigan fan, really. This is, this is who they are, okay? Just the worst of the worst. Canceling games. Come on, man. Are you kidding me? Um, Ohio State played last week without 34 players, and it just makes me mad. <laughs> anyway, kind of kidding, but kind of not kidding. 
But, the, but these, you know, tax collectors were, people didn't like them. People don't want anything to do with them. We talked a couple months ago in October about uh, Rome and how Rome owned Israel. Okay, they, they owned them. And uh, when Rome came in and conquered a people, a conquered people to Rome was a heavily taxed people. And that's how Rome got their, got their money. And Rome didn't care. He, you know, there's no, like, election or anything like that. And so Rome, they had put any tax that they wanted on people. And uh, a couple months ago, we talked about the poll tax. Remember, that was the tax that people came up and they had this coin. They're like, you know, or Jesus asked them to show them a coin. They asked them, hey, you know, who, should we pay taxes or not? What's the, what's the deal? And Jesus, he answers them. But what they were talking about was the poll tax. Remember, the poll tax was just a tax. They had all kinds of taxes on, on the Jewish people. But the poll tax specifically was just a tax saying, hey, this is the tax you have to pay just to have the privilege of being our subjects to Rome. Right? Like, this was, this was all bad. And so what Rome did is they went in and they hired Jewish tax collectors to collect taxes for Rome. And so this imperialistic, oppressive, foreign government who slaughtered Jewish men, women, and children, according to history, by hundreds and thousands whenever they wanted, right? That, that's who they are. We, we know that uh, through history that Romans, they would go in if there was any type of uprising. I mean, they came down with like an iron fist and put things out. They, uh, you know, they would take um, the Jewish people... And they would, they would crucify them, put them on crosses. Men, women, and children, they would do it lining the roads, going to big cities like Jerusalem, like the place that Jesus is heading to, just so that people, when they're going to town, so that, just so that they know, hey, you don't mess with Rome. You mess with Rome, this is what could happen to you. It's not pleasant. And so this was, a, this was a big deal. And so just think about it. These people, these Jewish tax collectors, are working for them. I mean, these guys are traitors. They worked for the enemy. And because of that, they were so hated, and in a sense, rightly so. Right? They had good reason to be. These are not good people. All right, tax collector, they cared more about getting rich off the backs of their own countrymen, off the backs of their own community, than standing up for what's right. On the flip side... Jesus mentions this other guy. He says, a Pharisee. Now, a Pharisee, this is like your all-around good Jewish guy. I mean, this is the guy who's faithful to his wife. He's, uh, he's involved in the community. Like in our society, if we were to look, a guy that would compare to the, look like a guy that would compare to the Pharisee, it'd be like, you know, a lot of guys in this room. It'd be a guy who's hardworking, um, a guy who's, who's very generous. I mean, he's, he gives away a lot of his, a lot of his you know, a portion of his, of his money. He's highly involved with the community. He's involved with local charities. He's well-respected, uh, meaning a guy that people, you know, in the community, like, look up to, a guy who follows the law. He does everything right. People at work actually like him. People at work actually like to work for him. This is the guy that goes to all the PTO meetings, all, every one of his children's, you know, games, and, and he goes to church every week, all right? This is just an all-around good guy. He keeps his lawn mowed. He keeps his house looking nice. And he pays his taxes. And, and, and so he's just a model citizen. And Jesus is pointing to, by the way, Jesus is probably talking to a bunch of Pharisees, probably a bunch of the people in the crowd that he's talking to, is this, you know, are these types of guys? He's a religious guy, right? Just like the people who Jesus is talking to. It's just like people that we know, okay? So this is a lot of people that we know right here. And so Jesus says, all right, both of these guys, tax collector, you got the Pharisee. He says, both of these guys, they go into the temple. Both of these guys, very, very different people. He says, this is what happens. He says, the Pharisee 
was standing and he was praying uh, like this about himself. So this is what the guy says. He says, God, man, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, the unrighteous, the adulterers, or even like this tax collector. He probably looks out the corner of his eye, sees this guy out there. He's like, oh yeah, that's a tax, I know him. You know, he, even like that guy, I'm glad I'm not like that guy. He says, because God, I, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of everything that I get. You notice the pattern here? It's all about I, 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 I. It's all about me, 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 me. See, this guy is all about doing good. This guy is all about following the rules. And he does the right stuff, and he follows the rituals. I mean, think about where he's at. He's in the temple, and he's there to pray. That's a good thing. Right? Those are good things. I mean, this is the guy that you would look at and you say, well, yeah, he's pretty religious. He's a good guy. He, you know, if anybody's going to heaven, it's going to be a guy like this. But this guy has a problem. And the problem is this. This guy, he judges his morality, meaning how good he is, not on God's standards, but on the guy next door. Or in his case, next to him. Because of that, he feels pretty good about himself. Right? This is what we do. See, the guy, he doesn't base his morality off of, oh, God's standards. How close am I to God's standards or God's morality? No, he looks at other people around him and bases his morality off of their morality. And to him, he's like, well, I'm better than this person. I'm better. I've never done this before. I haven't cheated anybody like that. You know, I, 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 you know, this and this and this and this. And so this guy, he's looking at, he's comparing himself to other people. And when he does it, he, he realizes, well, compared to other people, I'm a pretty good person. I'm pretty good at following the rules. I'm not, he mentions, remember, I'm not greedy. He says, I'm righteous. I've never committed adultery. He talks about how he's fast, not once, but twice a week. Like, have you ever tried fasting? Fasting is not eating anything for 24 hours and, and focusing on God, right? He does this twice a week. He only eats five days a week, right? And focuses the rest of the time on, on God, on doing good things. He gives 10% of his money that he makes. You know, this guy, he does a lot more good than you or me, and he is all about religion. He knows it, like the back of his hand. He knows all the do's and don'ts. He knows the set rules to follow and of how to get to heaven, and that's what religion is, okay? I want us to understand that. That's what religion is. All religions basically give us the same formula, Islam. Islam's got the scale, all right? Your good has to outweigh the bad. That's how you get to heaven. Hinduism, all right? It, it, to be, Hinduism is, teaches that, hey, you need to be good. Maybe you, when you re, get reincarnated, you'll get reincarnated as something, something better until you receive or achieve this thing called moksha. And then it's just like a transcendent state, all right? They're heaven. All right? Buddhism is, hey, follow all the rules, be good, and then you get to become enlightened. Sikhism is, hey, you need to care for each other. You need, to, you need to be good. And then you get to become one with God. And Judaism is, hey, you need to follow all these rules, all right? And, and you need to impress God by following all those rules. And while you're doing that, you need to wait for the Messiah to come, which, by the way, they missed 2,000 years ago. See, so many people in our culture, they believe that God exists, even if they're not, like, in one of these religions, right? They believe that God exists. And they feel like, I, I believe in a God, and if I'm just good... I'll be in heaven. See, it's all the same concept. It's just different rules. 
See, this guy is stuck in the cycle of religion, and he doesn't even realize it. And Jesus, that's what he's pointing out. He talks about the other guy. He's like, now the tax collector, he was standing far off. Like, this dude's standing in the corner. Uh, you know, he's not out there in front of everybody to see. Maybe he doesn't even want anybody to see him. He says, standing far off, he would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest, saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself, he's the guy that's going to be exalted. See, Jesus is saying, hey, guess what, guys? The tax collector was the one who was justified in this, not the Pharisee, meaning not the religious guy. And probably when he says this, the whole crowd is like, quiet. No one wants to say anything. Probably a bunch of people are offended, all right? Because this is crazy to them. Like, this is shocking. He's literally wrecking their belief or wrecking their religion. And Jesus, he's deconstructing the world or deconstructing their religion as they knew it. And he's reconstructing the world as he had originally created it. Now, Jesus is not saying in the story, we get this right, Jesus is not saying that, oh, yeah, there's two guys and one's good and one's bad. That's not, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, hey, yeah, there's two guys in the story and both are bad. All right, both are evil. Both have issues, but only one realizes it. See, Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He was born in a barn to a young, poor Jewish couple to teach us that basically that religion, man, it has this way of covering up sin in our hearts and hiding them from our view so we don't recognize the sin within us. That's what religion does. Jesus taught that religious people are, <clears throat> they might like look good, they might look like they got everything, you know, worked out or put together in their life, but, but religious people, you know, they, they're just as greedy and self-centered as sinners, as the worst of the worst in society, if not more so. See, it's almost like we think that religion covers up our issues, and it's, it's, it's really a lie that we believe. It's like uh, uh, when Kate and I first got married, well, it was actually right before we got married, we, we bought a house. The house was nasty. The house is a repoed home. Um, actually, when we went up to the, I've, we've talked about our house with birds and all kinds of weird stuff, but, uh, but we, when, when the realtor came to show us our house, she opened up the front door and the smell was so bad, she was like, whoa, I'm not going in there. Like, this is the person who's there to sell us the house, you know? I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll take it. Um, <laughs> Give me a good discount on it, good price. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so, so we got this house, and it was, it was nasty. It smelled terrible. And, um, and, but on the walls and the ceilings, you could tell we're like, you know, there was, there was stains on the walls. There was Sharpie marker all over the walls. And then on the ceilings, you could tell where the guy smoked. Right? He was a smoker. You could tell where he smoked because there would be like giant brown stain. There's always, there's a giant brown stain above the toilet. Right? So he was taking care of like everything at once. You know, he could look out the window. He's comfortable. Got his smokes, you know. Um, but, uh, but the thing with it is uh, I didn't go in and like rip out the ceiling. I didn't go in and rip out the walls like, oh, this has got marker all over. I'm just going to rip it out. No. What we did is you go to Walmart or Lows and you go get some kills, right? And you, you, it's like paint, and you paint over the stuff, 
right? Sometimes it might take like six coats, but it eventually goes away, right? That's, that's what you do. Uh, it, but when, and so when I walk into the house, like today, right, I'm not thinking about what was drawn on this wall. I'm not thinking about, hey, oh, yeah, the guy who really loved this corner of the house, you know, because that's where he smoked. I don't, I don't think about that stuff. I don't even remember some of it. I remember the toilet because I was put connected to it, too. But, uh, but the stain's still there, technically, right? It's just covered up. I didn't rip it out. I didn't throw it away. It's still kind of, in a sense, it's part of the house. See, that's what religion does, and this is the issue. Religion, it covers our evil, dirty, sinful hearts with a thin moral religious coating. And it makes us blind to the dirt and the filth, really, underneath. See, Jesus taught us that if we've never come to the terms of how messed up and how evil our hearts are, then we don't know ourselves at all, and we definitely don't know God. See, Jesus came, and one of his major messages, this is part of the gospel, okay? His main thing is, it is not about religion, all right? Because true Christianity is, is not a religion. It's not a set of rules you got to do. You got to do all this stuff to get to heaven. It's an individual relationship is what Jesus taught us. See, so many people, it's crazy to me, so many people, they miss that. So many churches miss it. A lot of you guys have probably been to churches that are, you know, many churches even around us, they're all about the ritual. It's all about following the rules. It's all about following some man-made tradition that's not even found in the Bible. And, and, and churches teach us this. They say, yeah, 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 you could put, put your trust in Jesus. That's good. We would agree with that. And something else. That's wrong. Put your trust in Jesus and doing good. Put your trust in Jesus and getting baptized or and taking communion or, or and becoming a member of our church. You've got to be a member of our church. It's putting your trust in Jesus and something else. It's not Jesus and. It's only Jesus. And so when we're doing that, churches are literally coding our hearts with this religion and ignoring the real problem, which is the evil within us. See, Jesus came on the scene as a baby to a culture just loaded down with rules, loaded down with written rules. We live in a culture that's loaded down with unwritten rules. He came to a culture that, was turned, that had turned away from God, a, a culture that was focused, completely focused on practicing religion, like so many people today, like so many people around us. And Jesus came, and he came to wreck it. So you don't have to have religion down. By the way, let me point this out. It's impossible to have religion down. Right? It's impossible to meet God's standards. We can't do enough stuff. None of us can. You can't, I can't, none of us can. Right? You can't do enough stuff. You can't be good enough. What God, God's saying, you, you can't. What you need is a relationship. See, some of you, if you're honest with yourself, You've put all your faith in religion. And what that means is really you've put all your faith into yourself and the good stuff that you've done. And the relationship's not there. 
What Jesus taught over and over, he's saying you need to give your life over to God. You need to stop trying to be good enough. You need to stop trying to be, you know, trying to work your way up and stop trying to be good to impress God because you can't impress God. You need to give your life over to him. What you need to do is you need to begin that relationship with him. Right? It's not something that you're born with. It's not something that it just, it just happens. No, it's an actual real decision that you have to make at some point in your life. A lot of people in, in this room, I'm assuming, haven't made that yet. There's no better time to do that than today. It's just asking God to be a part of your life. You don't got to know everything. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. But then others of us, you know, we've begun that relationship. Maybe we've been a Christian for, for decades. All right, this is what I know. Every Christian that I know struggles with religion to a point. All right? Meaning that with our relationship with God, it's like religion starts creeping in. These set of rules, doing all this good stuff, the, the idea is the mindset of, ah, you know, I need, I need to be better, you know, to, to, to impress God or whatever. You know, it, it's that. And, and the question, really, we should be examining ourselves and trying to figure out, you know, am I struggling with that? Like, am I, am I putting my trust in religion and in my good stuff? Or am I, am I completely putting my trust in God and what he has done for me because I can't do it? And, and so the way that we can examine ourselves is really by asking this question. Do you look down on others? That's the thing that Jesus was pointing out. All right, and I think most of us in this room are like, no, no, I don't look down on others. Like, you know, I'm not better than anybody, anybody else. But let me rephrase that. Do you view yourself as more moral than the worst person that you know? Morally, do you look down on others? Like, well, I'm a, I'm a better person or I'm more, I do more good. See, that's something that, that we don't think about that much. Meaning we all are bad. And that's what the story is telling us. The story is like, no, we're all bad. We're all evil. That's what we, that's what we like to cover up. We like to code it with, with religion so we don't feel that way. That Jesus came, and the Bible teaches us so clearly that every, that every single one of you, you are evil and messed up. You're a terrible, horrible person, and I am too. Kind of a downer, right? A little depressing it's actually not because there's joy in knowing that God came to earth as a little baby born in a barn laid in the manger shepherds came angels lived a perfect life died for someone as evil as me man there's joy in that that's the reality of it. And we don't think about that much because we think God kind of owes us because we're good. No, no, no. God's saying, no, you are so evil. There's nothing at all good about you. Your good stuff is filthy to me. That's what the Bible tells us. And, and, but I'm coming for you anyway. And he came and he died. It cost him something for us while we are while we were rebelling against him. For someone as evil as me. Let's pray. God, we, um, we thank you for doing that. I mean, we thank you for coming down and, 
and living a perfect life and dying born 2,000 years ago as a, as a baby. Lord, you did that because you love us. Not because we're good. Not because we've done a bunch of good stuff. That's not real. God, we thank you so much for caring for us and, and loving us and help us as we go through this week, help us to look for opportunities that you've given us and look for people that, that we can invite to church so that they can experience that joy as well. And Lord, if there's anybody in here that doesn't know you, hasn't made that conscious decision to start a relationship with you, Lord, we ask that they would do that today. There's no better day to do that than now. God, we thank you for loving us and caring for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.